you mean we're lucky to be white? It's not luck, it's privilege. We're privileged that people see us, not a color. Privilege that we don't get stared at when we walk into the room. Privilege that we don't get followed by security when we go shopping. Or pulled over when we're in the wrong neighborhood. We're privileged because society was set up for us. And our silence keeps it in place. We're privileged, and that's unfair. You unbelievably fragile human beings, you. Ugh. You make me embarrassed to exist on Earth alongside you. <laughs> So there's been a lot of talk over the past week uh, about DEI, and that is diversity, equity, and inclusion. For those that have been following my show for a few years, you already know what that is. Uh, it is encompassed within the ESG framework, which is in environmental, social, and governments, but DEI, ESG is kind of the corporate version of it. DEI is really the academia and corporate America has adopted it to a lesser extent, but it is becoming quite pervasive. And the reason that this entire topic came to the floor was there's been a lot of concern over DEI hiring practices when it comes to safety. Uh, we've seen a lot, a huge uptick in, in flight issues of late. And you also see coinciding with that, you will see a lot of advertisements and, you know, kind of braggadocious declarations about how we have the first all female flight crew, or we have the most diverse uh, hiring practices in the industry as if that is just inherently a good thing. And while I'm not opposed to diversity, particularly diversity of worldview, I think that that can be valuable. Oftentimes this is boiled down to strictly a melanin thing or a sexual orientation thing or a gender thing. And it's like, why does that matter? I'm trying to get to Des Moines. I don't care if the uh, the staff of your plane is diverse. I care that they are qualified. That's what I care about. Are they good at their job? Can they actually fly the plane? Is it safe? If it's if it's just some you know corporate department that has no bearing on my life or my very existence, I don't much care. But when it boils down to like life or death situations, a surgeon, a, a pilot. It's very, very uh, concerning and, and, and very important. So the reason that this also became a, a topic du jour was that Mark Cuban on X decided to defend it quite vociferously. Uh, he did not do a good job in doing so, but I thought it'd be important to contend with this this ideology because it is pervasive and it is all-encompassing and it is very, very destructive to a meritocratic system. And that is not to say that you can't have people of diverse categories that do a fantastic job at whatever they're asked to do. Obviously, they can. But if that's your focus above merit, well, then we have a serious problem. And I think that's the pendulum has swung from perhaps avoiding hiring diverse candidates because of racist ideology to the other end of the spectrum where we are now hiring people of minority class because that's that's like the virtue signaling thing to do and it's also superseding what is most important which is your merit can you do the job are you good and if you look at that that ad to open this up it's laughable obviously but there's a lot of people that would look at that and say, oh, so profound. 
we really have we've we've gone astray you know we we have to <clears throat> really look in the mirror and realize our privilege because we don't we we aren't seen as our skin color even though that's exactly what dei calls for you understand the inverted nature of this dei demands that you pay attention to the skin color of who you're hiring in order to meet the quotas to meet the litmus test to to the, they'll often have goals that are set you'll have airlines that'll even say this you know by 2025 we expect to have over half of our or like we want we want the majority of all of our hiring to be majority candidates from this point forward <clears throat> well that's actually racist too if you only hire white people pretty racist if you only hire minority candidates pretty racist you are you are boiling us down once again to our skin color and and alleging that this is progress that you are the progressive correct it's very it's very contradictory in its nature but it has it has been very successful in the uh you know manipulation of people's worldview and i'm not happy about it so there's a a lengthy debate that happened on cnn uh just I think it was this morning maybe it was late last night and I wanted to get into it because I thought it would be interesting for us to cover it so let's do that most people feel like we live in a meritocracy when in a lot of cases we live in a meritocracy you hire people that are like you you and you see that all over the place and so people don't quite know where they are and it's a very it's very easy to attack uh, Raihan has in effect the country moved on from the so-called racial reckoning we were all talking about after the murder of George Floyd. I think there is a broad sense that that racial reckoning involved smuggling in certain really contentious ideological ideas that weren't ultimately about diversity, but rather were about imposing ideological uniformity. When you're looking at DEI bureaucracies, what really is noxious about them is that they actually don't respect all sorts of diversity, including viewpoint diversity, including the fact that, look, in some cases, you have groups that are overrepresented, and that can be okay. You know, the point that J.D. Vance was making about the Dallas Mavericks is that it can be good and healthy and reasonable in some domains to have overrepresentation. Underrepresentation can also be... You can say it's ridiculous. You can make that assertion, but fundamentally the fact that, you know, I am one second-generation Asian-American on a panel of four. I am massively, massively overrepresented. But I think it's reasonable to say that you're going to judge people based on their merits. And when you're looking at organizations this that is, count excuse that matter, me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. This is the burden, and I can't tell you how infuriating I find it. This is the burden that always comes with representation. The idea is that because you are a person of color, suddenly um, it is... Uh, you are only there because it is some noblesse oblige. It is because some white guilt put you there because there was some DEI initiative and you can't win either, either way you look at it. I mean, what infuriates me is you look at the whole Claudine Gay thing and, and everyone's talking about DEI. This woman cannot win or lose either. She, uh, if she is there, I'm happy to talk about no, Claudine let me finish. Let, let me, let me, let me finish. If she's there, it's because of DEI, that they put her there because she's black. If she loses and they kick her out, it's because she actually was never good enough to be there in the beginning. And she was, you can't win in this. It's unbelievable to me that these people are selecting the Claudine Gay case, given that she was caught plagiarizing as the highest official at Harvard 
university in any time, any skin color, any era, anything, you would always expect that the president of Harvard would be held to the highest standard, you would hope, correct? I would hope so. So to make this claim that there's no win here, it's impossible for her to win. No, she got to that position, that was a win. Had she not plagiarized to get there, that would have also been a win. She plagiarized, so it's a, it's a loss. See how that works? That's actual assessment based off of merit. Had she done so by her own merit, this wouldn't be an issue. And it's just so frustrating that, that this is how it's painted. Because the people that are encouraging affirmative action laws or the DEI practices, the whole ESG framework, it forces you to hire based off of their classifications, their, the, the categories that they deem most important. And unfortunately, that boils down to a bunch of things that aren't oriented to merit. Your race, your sex, your gender, whatever. A bunch of things that don't have anything to do with whether or not you're good at your job. So if you get fired, you can't then turn around and say, the only reason that she was fired was because of her race or gender or sexual orientation. It's nonsense. She got fired because she plagiarized. She also got fired because she brought a lot of heat upon herself because she wasn't willing to condemn some of the protests on Harvard campus. Now, I don't actually agree with the reason that she was targeted. I, I think that it was a pressure campaign that was brought about because a bunch of conservatives were rallying in the defense of Israel. It doesn't change the fact that she got fired because she plagiarized herself. That's the truth. It has it, it, you can have a whole bunch of reasons for why that pressure campaign came, but you can't dismiss the fact that the reason she was fired is because of what she did and what she did was not good. So let's, uh, let's just be honest about what we're dealing with here this situation yeah, it, it, and it is and it is infuriating I, I as get, a person I get, I get of color the, to constantly have this cudgel put on our I get on the argument that you, you can't win but you also can't have it both ways you can't celebrate and tout that someone was hired and it's a wonderful thing to expand diversity and Harvard went full tilt talking about how great it was to hire the first black woman and then say all of a sudden the first black caught, person it wasn't even the okay. first black woman it was okay. the first black person I don't care the point is is that she got caught obviously plagiarizing and that is the those are the facts that you know there's this massive this was an piece. ideological Absolutely. very well funded the, the motives and, of the attack and, don't and, change the fact that she plagiarized exactly. and, and where i disagree oh, with you kara is when you say when somebody they, fails who's white and and who's mean, a man let me finish yes when someone nobody in fact there's books written about this fail and then come back um you know look pivot. look at pivot exactly pivot. pivot when a person of color fails all of a sudden it's an indictment of an entire system that the right doesn't this like. is so yeah. ridiculous she was a graduate of exeter and stanford with a phd from harvard and you know she, why second generation so second generation haitian american who came from a family that dominated the concrete industry right, in right. haiti she was not the wretched of the earth she was someone who should no. be judged on her merits wait, and I'm her sorry, chief qualification absolutely not but she immediately tries to take it into some sort of racist bent when clearly the point he's making is that she was a a someone who had excelled throughout their life and came from a very wealthy family and, and oftentimes dei at least originally 
it it was supposed to just be about racial orientation. Uh, just a little history here. It it really arose in the 1960s during the civil rights movement. It it started to catch you know steam in the 1980s. Uh, by the early 2000s, the corporate world started to adopt it more and more. The United Nations and the World Economic Forum, obviously in the late 2000s through the to, through the teens. They started to propagate it very, very aggressively, and then the BlackRock State Street vanguards of the world started to essentially mandate it at the at the detriment of the companies if they refused to do so. So this is this is a fifty year plus <clears throat> pathway to get us here. She was selected because she established the Office of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging at Harvard. She presided over a steep decline in the free speech climate. Okay, and she also right. targeted minority professors ahead, Lolo. who dissented from her perspective. That no, was a problem. Go. She was uh, a person Reinhardt. with ideas, not Re someone who belongs to demographic One thing that strikes a lot of women and people of color a lot, it seems like standards are only applied when it comes to women and people of color. I have seen so many incompetent men on boards of internet companies and they always talk about well we're going to bring on a woman to be more diverse when they have basically driven a company into a wall Do you remember Ruth we Simmons, never judge use the word standards with white men we just yes, don't and, uh well i don't believe that at all uh, we don't really have a discussion when a man gets fired i think that's the real the real difference that you're identifying <clears throat> is that if a man gets fired you just assume that he was bad at his job there is no controversy. If a woman gets fired, if a black woman gets fired, God forbid, well, then it's only about racism. It's not, it can't possibly be about her qualifications or her ability to actually do the task. So this is really the double standard is actually more on their side, the DEI side, where it's like, there is, there is no concern for if a, if a white man gets fired, you just assume that he just he screwed up. He wasn't good at his job. And you're probably right. Now, if you're going to make the argument that people, that there's a bunch of bums that, that are on boards of tech companies in, you know, San Francisco or Silicon Valley. Yeah, sure. I'm sure that's true. There's, there's still issues with nepotism and, you know, good old boys clubs and all that. But the free market actually addresses that far better than any sort of DEI initiative ever could. If you're actually concerned about diversity, if there is this bias that prevents minority candidates from having opportunities, well, the answer to that is not to have federal guidelines or even pressure campaigns to get companies to hire minority candidates. The answer is to have really highly skilled minority candidates start companies or get on board with a company that sees the competitive advantage in hiring them and eating the competition's lunch. That's actually how you, how you beat this. The free market is the best answer to dealing with any sort of inequity in hiring practices. The issue is that the people that push DEI do not believe in free market capitalism. None of them do. And until they're willing to embrace that, they will continue to force the issue as opposed to allowing us to address the issue through the free market. Uh, and merit and all these other words. And let me just say an one other thing. President that... of the Brown University celebrated African-American woman. No one questioned her credentials, her excellence right, as a steward of that institution. Are you actually saying that what happened 
to Claudine Gay was not a completely engineered. I mean, it was Chris Rufo said it. He actually admitted to the fact that this was an entirely engineered. Chris Rufo, push, we just quickly should explain a conservative right. activist who and my colleague led the charge. And, and my colleague who, who look, this was not a concerted campaign out of whole cloth. This was based on ideological predilections. Yes. This was based on the fact that she was entrenching certain ideas. She was someone who was actually doing great damage to an important American institution. In and what he was trying to do was surface the hypocrisy. You know, the idea that exactly. we are defending free speech when in fact free speech, Harvard literally ranked dead last among research universities in the country on the speech climate. Black people, Latinos, were always the ones who have to sit here and say, you know what? It's exactly right. When when we make a mistake, we have to wear the cloak of shame and say we never deserve to like be here to begin Latina, with. Look, um, and, and, I'll, and, I'll let me, and I'll say something else. And just it's so obvious that this is this is all predicated off of grievance politics. It, it, it just always feels like women, black people, Latinos have to sit there and just take it. It's like no, no, you don't. If if Claudine Gay hadn't plagiarized herself and she was fired and she was doing an incredible job and Harvard was uh, a bastion of free speech and open debate and everyone coming out of there was actually a, a high, high functioning member of society that was not ultimately degrading the very fabric of our civilization, which is what it actually is today. I don't think anyone would have any concern about her, her race or her gender or anything else. That wouldn't, it's, I certainly wouldn't. So this is, this is just a straw man of the highest order that that's the reason that I'm concerned about her job performance. I'm concerned about her job performance uh, across the board of all Ivy League institutions. In fact, I'm concerned about all of their job performance and it really doesn't have anything do, to do with the protests against Israel. For me, it has everything to do with their protests against meritocracy. I just want to say this last thing when we're talking about DEI, which is, you know, there was this big push in 2020 thinking, OK, here we are. Um, we've had a big racial racial reckoning. And you know what happened? All these DEI offices that were created, 75 percent of them were led by white men. In any and that's case, all I have to I say about recommend that. Reading so these these institutions that were trying to implement DEI were created by white men. And that's a problem. Wait, 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 wait. So just, just a few minutes ago, you were arguing that you can't win. Okay, so you have, you obviously support DEI. Clearly you do. You're up there, you know, defending it to the highest level. So these white dudes, they do what you ask of them. They create these DEI programs so that you have more minority candidates that are being hired. And now they're the bad guys because they're, it was white men that created it. I mean, talk about can't win. Mark Cuban on this because he really is smart. He's talking about building a business that's diverse for the future. No and to do these the little these little tweets about so how do we get racism there? is not useful. You can't you can't fight. Look, you can my problem with my problem with DEI is it's illiberal, right? It's speech policing. Claudine Gay got attention because she couldn't figure out how to speak clearly with with moral seriousness about anti-Semitism while she's talking about DEI, right? She says. Well, you know, except for the stuff about Jewish genocide, we believe in all of these other things. That's what got the attention to her, and she would still be there today if she wasn't the plagiarist. Well, I am that's the fact. I am glad we settled this. 
Today's episode of Liberty Lockdown is once again brought to you by our friends over at Phoenix Ammunition, the premier supplier to the militia industrial complex, with 100% of their sales going directly to American citizens. No military contracts, no law enforcement deals, simply the highest quality American-made ammunition served directly to the people the Second Amendment was written for not the government. Phoenix Ammo uses the highest quality components, parts, and the most advanced quality control system in the country to deliver exactly what you expect while at the range or when your life is on the line and performance matters above all else. Head to phoenixammo.com, subscribe to their propaganda newsletter, and follow them on Twitter at Phoenix Ammunition for the latest in product updates, high-quality trolling, small libertarian commentary, and world-class meme warfare. You can save up to 25% off all day, every day, with their automatic volume-based discounts. Come for the ammo, stay for the memes, F-E-N-I-X-Ammo.com. Get with it. I think that's that's a good way to, to wrap that segment, is that yeah, she would still be there had she not plagiarized herself. And and that's unfortunate because I'm not sure she should have been there anyways. In fact, I'm pretty sure she shouldn't have. Uh, these these folks, it's not a, not a black thing, not a woman thing, no, no. Those that have critical theory imbued within themselves, put into positions of power, are extraordinarily dangerous. Like that, you are worsening the the racial divide in this country every day that you continue with this perspective and these plots because that's really what they are they are behind the scenes plots to change the the makeup of the workforce based off of your assessment over historical injustices and no one and at least no one in my camp is going to deny the historical injustices from Jim Crow to everything else, redlining, all of it messed up. Doesn't change the fact that you don't remedy that by doing the same thing, but flipping it. Right? Where, where's the where's the rationale? Where's the logic in, in saying racism is bad? We have to be racist to fix it. This is my whole critique of the ta Coates and all these other, uh, Ibram Kendi, all these other fuckers that, that just push this stuff as if like, well, yeah, we've been aggrieved. So now we shall aggrieve. Eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Anybody ever heard of it? Yeah, I don't agree. And I don't respect people that push it, especially those that do so with such moral certitude, moral authority. It's totally wrong, totally wrong. And because they have so successfully controlled the narrative over the past 15 years, Anybody that says what I'm saying right now, which is far more in alignment with the Martin Luther King Jr. perspective of the world, has been painted as a racist. Those that say, yeah, hiring based off of race is not good. I don't, I don't think it's good at all. I think that hiring based off of who will help propel your company to the next level, that is good. The race issue, to me, I honestly, like if I was going to hire somebody, it would not even enter my my consideration it would be strictly is this person going to add to what i'm doing and if the answer is yes you're hired if the answer is no you're not that's it that's the that's the end of the criteria if you add in race as the criteria to alleviate racism that's not how that's that's gets you worse off you're actually you're actually uh you know institutionalizing racist hiring practices you're requiring 
that everybody look at immutable characteristics and, and decide, can I hire this person based off of that? Contrary to what Mark Cuban tries to claim. Cuban tries to claim that no, we have, you know, we have this tendency to not hire as many minority candidates, even, even though they're just as, as qualified as, as white candidates. So, or straight candidates or male candidates or whatever. So we're going to implement these plans so that we can just make sure that we're getting the best candidates wrong. That's an utter lie. That is not how DEI works. DEI will have quotas. DEI will have all sorts of, uh, you know, screening tools to make sure that you are actually seeing more minority candidates than straight white men, which sometimes in some industries that makes sense. Mark Cuban happens to be in one of them, which is what makes this particularly infuriating. If you look at his roster, it's filled with African-Americans. Oh, and they're all men. Shocking. <laughs> now, coincidentally, his, his best player happens to be a straight white dude, Luka Doncic. He's not, he's not an American, so I guess that still could theoretically meet some sort of DEI criteria. Um, but the point is, there are people that have different skill sets that are better at certain things. And to, to think that because you are hiring predominantly black men to play your, your sport, that that is, that, that needs to be looked at is ridiculous. And any NBA team that were to do so, if they were to say, we're going to have to level out the racial and sexual diversity on our team would be picking first in the draft for the rest of eternity. And for those that don't understand what I'm saying, when you have a, the worst record in the league, there's a lottery in the NBA, but in other sports, if you have the worst record, you get the first pick. If you start to pick based off of diversity in a sport, you're done. Why, why would that same rule, why would that same principle not apply to corporate America? That if you start to hire based off of diversity as opposed to who is best at the job at hand, the, what you actually need, the task fulfilled, why would you expect that to produce better outcomes? The answer is crystal clear. It will not. It will not. And anybody that says otherwise is lying to you. So Mark Cuban, who doesn't put any sort of DEI parameters on his hiring practices when it comes to his basketball team, he starts to, to respond, yeah, but if you look at my back office, very diverse. We focus on DEI all the time. Okay, so w which matters to you? If, it, if, it, if it's so good in your back office, why aren't you putting it on center court? Why aren't you applying these same principles? Well, because you know it's fucking stupid as shit to do that. But you still claim that we have to have these diverse worldviews and these diverse perspectives, and that, that's how you create a strong team moving forward in the back office. It's nonsense. Look at your team. The best player is a white dude. Tons of other black dudes are in supporting roles. The team's fucking awesome. It has, and, and also, by the way, very diverse, very diverse, because you're hiring based off of merit exclusively. I don't look at that and go, man, you don't have, you know, if you look at the percentages of our population, there's 50% of the population is straight white men or, you know, straight white people. So you got to have 50% of your team needs to be that. 
So you have to give me a tryout. Why would you possibly give me a tryout? 40-year-old dude that can't fucking dunk. Stupid. Be a total waste of your time. Now, why would you do that when it comes to the back office? Why would you have someone who's not qualified for the job just come in there and interview them just because you want to, I don't know, feel good about yourself? Check a fucking box? Classify yourself as, as a, a diverse workforce? It's a total lie. I, in, my, in my opinion, it is a total and utter lie. And I, and I would imagine that there's been studies to prove this. I'll have to look into it. But I'm, I would imagine that there's been studies to prove that there is no direct correlation between a diverse workforce and excelling in, you know, against competition. The, in my opinion, the only reason that they're getting away with this is that this, the same sickness, the same racist perspective is being pushed across the board in corporate America. So we can't really like, there's no, there's no, uh, what's it called? There's no like double blind study. There is no control group. That's the word I was looking for. There's no control corporation that you can look at and go, well, these people are not focused on DEI at all. They're just hiring based off of meritocracy and they're crushing everybody. I, well, in fairness, I'm, maybe there are companies out there that are doing it on the low, but I'm sure they still pretend, they still give lip service to the DEI stuff because otherwise they get punished in the corporate media. So it's a real, it's a real racket. And it's time, it's time that people start to actually call it out for what it is. And what it is is racist. And what it is is anti-capitalism, anti-capitalist. It's, it's anti-meritocratic. It's really un-American, if I'm being honest. So I don't have any problem saying that. I don't know why people do. This is not, this is not in defense of straight white men. This is a, a defense of meritocracy. Who's best at the job? If that's a black dude, as it almost always is in the NBA. God bless. God bless. I want to watch the best product. I want to see the best teams. I want to see dudes that do athletic feats that I could never even possibly imagine. That's beautiful. I love sports. If, if they have, for whatever reason, if they're better at that than people that look like me, cool. Some of my biggest heroes of all time have been black men. So fucking what? <laughs> they excel in a way that's inspirational. I don't, I don't view them based. I don't, I don't even think of like Kobe Bryant. I don't go like, that's a black dude. Like I, I honestly don't think of that. I think like, that's a fucking killer. That's a dude who, who dedicated his life to a singular craft. He was like, I'm going to be the best that has ever done this. That inspires the fuck out of me. Never thought of him as a black man. Honest to God. Like, Yes, he is. Like, I'd be lying if I said, oh, I don't notice that he's black. I've just, I've never thought of him that way. Like, I think of him as just an unbelievable athlete, but more than that, an unbelievably dedicated to his craft human being in a way that very few people have ever been on earth. Like, that's, that's how dedicated he was to his craft. Stories about him waking up at 3 a.m., taking a nap, you know, from like 2 to 3 just so he can go back to practice right before the game, uh, arriving six hours before games on the road just to, to shoot around. Uh, if he missed a game winner, he'd, he'd arrive seven hours before the game to shoot around. Like, dedication on a level that even NBA players, the most dedicated athletes on the planet, looked at him and said, holy shit. I will never be what this guy is. I will never, ever be as good as him. That's inspirational. And that traverses racial boundaries in a way that it, that DEI, 
who, who alleges itself to be a remedy to what we're describing in terms of racism, meritocracy, the inspiration that comes from watching someone who looks different than you do something that you could never do in a way that you just, you could only dream of. That is actually what alleviates racial divide in this country. The, Lebr Le the LeBron James of the world, when he's on the court, he alleviates racial tensions in America. When he's on the mic and he's talking about racism and all that shit, it only worsens the situation. Inspire people to open their hearts and their minds. Do not force it through technocratic plans. I think that's the answer. Speaking of people that inspire me, despite of their racial makeup, Vivek, destroying the corporate media. Let's talk about what, uh, white supremacy and what happened last night for a moment, because when you were talking to reporters last night, you called white supremacy a myth. When someone asked you about Dylan Roof, you said you didn't know who that is. Have you looked up what happened in 2015? Yeah, yeah look, I, I, I've, said, I've, I've said this last night. Invidious racial discrimination is wrong no matter how it happens. But if a Washington Post reporter is asking me almost like a catechism, whatever question I said, I'm against invidious racial discrimination, whatever form it takes, but says, do you denounce white supremacy? It's incumbent on us for us to define what white supremacy is. I wrote my book, Woke Inc., and I've written about the detailed understanding of what the popular understanding of these terms have come to mean. Do you believe punctuality is a vestige of white supremacy, Dasha? Look, because if you, you don't, then you have a disagreement about many of the people who are defining those terms or the written word or the use or the nuclear family. This is these aren't my words. These are the words of intellectual proponents from Ibram Kendi to the Ayanna Presley's to BLM that have said these are vestiges well, of white supremacy. So Mr. Ramos, we can't have it both ways. Do, though, we have to have an choose, honest discussion. I'm not this is not a straw man. They can't even contend with his his counterpoint because they don't even know it. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people would say uh, she's running cover. I don't think so. I think they they honestly don't know what Vivek knows. They don't know what DEI type of hiring practices in, actually entail. They don't know what the utilization of, of labels like white supremacy have actually become when it comes to punctuality and the nuclear family and all this stuff. If you actually paid attention to what the Black Lives Matter movement d described as their grievances, not the, not the protesters, but the organization itself, Vivek is exactly right. This, we have to define these terms because they are being abused terribly, even though the ignorant reporter has no clue. Jesse Smollett is the, the best Jussie example Smollett of white supremacy. was the supremacy. hottest thing in news in the back of a fake yes. actual attack on him that we have to contend with. And, this is and, actually, yet, and yet you have examples the like the Buffalo shooter Dana. in New York just in 2022. You have other but examples. you are also cherry picking when you bring I'm, up Jesse so Smollett. I'll look, I'll look at all of the statistics. More black Absolutely. on black crime. If you really care about actual crime against black Americans, let's get to the root causes of it in the inner cities of this Look, country. Look, the Anti-Defamation League tracked a 38% increase in white supremacist propaganda last who's, who's year. Who's tracking that? The Anti-Defamation League. Yeah, the ADL, I don't think is a particularly credible source so when they haven't cherry-picked information. when we're talking about I would suggest, this? I would suggest, look at the, there's a table, two by two table, a federal law enforcement data, which you could say what you do, maybe, maybe we shouldn't believe that either. But okay. look at black the FBI, crime, black on black crimes, crime, the FBI white on black crime. Statistics. That's a, a law enforcement agency. 59.1% was based on race, ethnicity, I look at absolute and violence. ancestry, saying hate crimes rose 12% between violence, 2020 God. and 2021. Look at the absolute crimes themselves. What they classify as a hate crime is itself a political judgment. 
I think that when you actually care about protecting life, if you want to say Black Lives Matter, let's look at where Black lives are actually being lost. It's in the cities at the heart of other look, black Americans and criminals. And this, and that's that are absolutely by the issue that we talk about as well. But are we and supposed we to be. ignore? It's fantastic that he's willing to just shoot holes all through the, this this thesis. I mean, the fact that he's he's even even though he brought up the FBI crime statistics, he's like, you know, even I, I'm not sure you should trust them either, but <laughs> they're certainly better than the ADL. It's like, yeah, yeah, of course, if you're actually paying attention, you know, this to be true. Um, but most of the politicians either don't know it or they're they're a participant in this, you know, psyop against the American people. White supremacist hate crimes. We're not supposed to ignore any kind of crime, Dasha. That's what I say. But what I see is a selective reporting. Take the Nashville Transgender Shooter Manifesto. Every shooter manifesto in a mass shooting has been released within 48 hours, except for that one shooter in Nashville. Now, it ended up being leaked. What do you see? It wasn't uh, it wasn't a white supremacist. It was somebody that was actually making fun of using derogatory terms. I believe. Okay, so why are you okay talking about that manifesto and not talking about the manifesto? I'm okay talking about the point is that y'all aren't talking about it. <laughs> the point is that you only care if it's a white dude with an AR. You don't care at all if it's anybody else. That's the point he's making. But the oh, it's so it's so frustrating. About both. I'm more than okay talking about both. But what I'm asking is why is the mainstream media suppressed that one? Why did the police suppress that one? Why was that the one shooter manifesto that of all of the mass shootings, every other shooter manifesto has been released? I'm focused on that one because that's the one that's been hidden from us. And it comes back to the point of my candidacy and the way I'm going to run this country. Trust the people with the truth. If it doesn't match your narrative, the reality is right now, I think the media did not hold the police accountable. They would have been demanding that. Republicans are actually starting to gain ground, gain traction with the black community, with Latino voters. Do not worry that your rhetoric is pushing them away. There are folks in the contrary. I think we're going to bring black people into this movement. Who are concerned about your rhetoric? Well, you know what? I've. I love that he's he's like the. I guess he's not the one minority candidate. Uh, Nikki Haley could be considered one, even though she has run away from her heritage, whereas he has embraced his. But the the argument that the one proud minority candidate in this field from the GOP side would push away minority voters is just so it's so bizarre, especially when your perspective, your worldview is predicated off of like, well, we have to have diversity because we can't look up to people that don't look like us. This is why we have to have, you know, dwarves play dwarves in the snow, <laughs> in Snow White. This is why we have to have, you know, crippled people play crippled people in movies. It's like, like, we have to have people that are inspired by people that look like them. You can never be inspired by anybody that doesn't, even though that's wrong. It's totally wrong. But from their worldview, they ought to look at Vivek and say, wow, you're the token. You're the guy who's going to bring in all the minorities. But of course not, because he doesn't play along with their, you know, critical theory lens. Concerned about their corruption. If you had somebody who actually one of the most one of prominent black influencer the other day, she's what did she say? I've been black my whole life, and this man could actually unify this country in response to a long exchange I had with a black pastor who at an event here in Iowa did challenge me with a hard question, asking me, "Are my views against affirmative action?" How do those align with historical a, a racial injustice? is a debate that is being had. If you I may, can, you can if I may just finish this. If I may finish my point, deal with racism, I think I will be better denying that racism is a I've problem. I've never des denied that racism is a problem. If you listen to the response I gave to that black pastor, my whole point is racism has been a major problem for most of our national history. 
but we're getting close to the promised land that Martin Luther King envisioned. We're as darn close to it as we ever have been. And so what bothers the heck out of me is it's right when we're close to that promised land. Martin Luther King said, it. I may not get there with you, and he didn't get there with us. But I think it desecrates the legacy of our civil rights movement, desecrates the legacy of Martin Luther King, that right when we get closest to the point of having racial equality and gender equality and even opportunities for people of minorities of many types, are we perfect? No. But are we as close as we've ever been? Yes, we have to then obsess over systemic racism, to then obsess over white guilt and otherwise. We're creating new waves of racism, Dasha, that we otherwise would have avoided right when we're closest to having achieved what even the proponents of the civil rights movement would have dreamed of. That's what bothers me. My exchange with that black pastor about, about a week or so ago, right here in Iowa, not far from where we are, it was in Indianola, not far from where we are in Des Moines, was that we're founded on the pursuit of a more perfect union the pursuit of liberty, equality, and justice for all. And I reject this left-wing narrative that's creating more artificial division. So I believe I will bring more black and Hispanic voters into our movement, not by saying fake poll-tested slogans, but by speaking the hard truth that we've been imperfect in our past, but let us celebrate the progress we've made and reject the media's cherry-picking narratives to actually get to the truth of the matter. And now, if we care about black lives, the things we're going to do isn't obsessing about white supremacy. Mr. It's actually Einstein. fixing the problems in our cities, which I will do as our president. One of the best answers I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. And I know, I know, he's not to be trusted, and he's a pharma guy. And I, yeah, okay, okay. Maybe, maybe none of what he said is actually his deeply held belief. I don't think so, though. I don't. I think that that you can't, you simply cannot give a five-minute five answer on the fly, under the gun from a, a press talking head that's trying to you know, derail your campaign and, and do it in a way that is so perfect. So, so, so perfect. And if he, and if he's doing that, just because he thinks it's the best thing to say and he doesn't believe any of it, well, then you, you fooled me, Vivek. You fooled me. But back to the point, I think he's exactly right. I mean, if, we're, if we are to get past the historical injustices of racism in this country, we cannot, we cannot increase the divide based off of reporting biases. And that's what we're witnessing. We are witnessing reporting biases when it comes to these shootings to try and paint a a rise in white, you know, racial identitarianism and, and terrorism and all this other stuff. And if you actually pay attention to it, you know, I've had Kyle Serafin and Steve Friend on this show to discuss exactly what we're talking about right now. That as FBI agents turned whistleblowers, they were being pulled off of very important cases to focus on more of this kind of DEI worldview. And I think that that's very, very dangerous that he was, he was being told repeatedly, I'm referencing Steve friend here, that they need to get their numbers up when it comes to domestic extremism. That's not okay. There should be no quotas or, or numbers being set when it comes to crimes that you need to see in this country. And then when you turn around and you see what happened with the Whitmer case, if you turn around, and you see what happened on J6, you have to ask yourself, okay, are they concocting these cases because they need to get their numbers up so that their funding stays up? And my concern with the DEI framework is that if you believe that this, this injustice pyramid needs to be inverted, 
Well, then why would you also not start to use the FBI to go after people of the now unfavored racial demographic or ideological demographic? That's not any better, is it? Do you want a nameless, faceless you know, organization that's out there that's really above the law, a federal police force that's able to uh, you know, concoct cases and trap people? Well, the answer should be no, regardless of political variety. I don't want them concocting cases against, you know, extremist Democrats any more than I do extremist right-wingers. If, they're, if they are violent, sure, stop them. Great. But you cannot entrap them and then say, look, there's this massive rise. We have to all, we have to turn over or shred the, the remainder of the Bill of Rights so that we can address this. We have to give infinite funding and a brand new building to the FBI in D.C. The answer to all that is, fuck you, no. Absolutely not. No thank you particularly given what happened with the Russian collusion story or Hunter's laptop. You have lost any sort of moral authority to dictate anything to us. And then you have the Whitmer case. You're done. Oh, let's go backwards. Waco. OKC. Ruby Ridge. Like, how many examples do you need? This is just my lifetime. Go back to the civil rights movement. Come on. When, when, when will we have seen enough? But... Because they kind of have this this new modus operandi when it comes to DEI, they kind of get away with it again, but just on an inverted, you know, version of itself. I reject it entirely. So this is the head of Google's DEI department, Adriel Parker. Let's hear what she has to say. In the year 2023, it also amazes me how many people are like, "Well, I don't see color," or "It would be so much better if we just." didn't worry about someone's skin tone you as an individual are contributing to the problem because our broader society sees color and it's not just physically seeing a color there is so much more to it than just that and if you don't understand that you are again part of the problem and it's just yeah. to keep telling people that over i mean is that not exactly like the argumentation that the kkk made back in the early 1900s it's like you're naive we see color so you must as well just once again <laughs> showing like is it woke or white supremacist who knows can't tell the difference for and over is so frustrating and i was just on tiktok and there's a trend where parents are teaching their kids not to see color quote unquote and i'm like good parents okay so the next round of people that are going to be joining our workforce this next generation are going to be dealing with the same issues that we're dealing with now because to say you don't see color you don't see me you don't care to acknowledge the struggles that people like me face and we're not looking for problems we're not <laughs> you know uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't even have commentary on that. Just as much as it's frustrating. It's so sad. It's so regressive. You're dragging us back into a time that I don't want to, I don't want to participate in. I'm not interested in it and I reject it entirely. And that is not to discount your struggles. It is to say that I don't believe that focusing on what you want us to focus on will ultimately alleviate your struggles. I think it will worsen them. That's the truth. All right. Let's hear from Mark Cuban himself, who has been uh, topic du jour with this. Whole, I know I'm prejudiced. With this whole DEI stuff. I know I'm prejudiced. I know I'm bigoted in a lot of different ways. 
you know, and I've said this before, if I see a black kid in a hoodie at night on the other side of the street, that's not, you know, I'm probably on the same side of the street. I'm probably going to walk to the other side of the street. <laughs> I love it. I love it when they just say it, man. Look, I'll be honest. If I see anybody of any variety that's wearing a hoodie and I'm walking down an alleyway or something, I might be like, all right, maybe this isn't prudent to, uh, to put myself in a position where I might be able to get mugged or something like that. Uh, especially if you're in a city that has, you know, crime issues. Um, but it's just, it's just so funny that the folks that, that push the DEI mindset are, you know, the most really racist and bigoted amongst us. Like the, the people that are constantly trying to get us to focus on race, we have to focus on it. Oh, you're part of the problem. You're raising your kids not to see it. You're raising your kids to think that we're equal? Ugh, you're part of the problem. What are you doing? And then they sit back and they go, yeah, I know I'm bigoted. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm racist. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are, Mark. You are. And maybe that's why you need a DEI department to, to help with your hiring practices. But the rest of us, no thanks. Don't actually need it. Ugh, so frustrating. So it just came down today that one Mr. Epps will be receiving 12 months in probation for his role in the attacks of January 2021. And uh, I just, I'm kind of speechless, to be honest, uh, <laughs> which is rare for me, given that my job is to speak on these matters. I, you know, given what happened to Owen Troyer and, you know, months, months in solitary confinement, uh, and he was actually released early, fortunately, or at least that's my understanding. Uh, but then to have someone who encouraged it every step of the way for 48 hours straight, get uh, 12 months in solitary or 12 months probation rather. Uh, look, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what more you need to see to know that something is amiss. And, and if you're at all thinking critically, I think you kind of know what's amiss here. Uh, so without making it totally uh, declaratory. I'm just going to leave it there and, and let you guys mull it over. But I think that the, the bigger, the bigger point, the, the more important point, honestly, is that it's so brazen that there's a, a distinct lack of concern for what the American people think about this. And I think that that is the real noteworthy aspect of this more than the individuals involved and what their treatment will or won't be. I think that's, that's what we really ought to be mulling over. Like how, how can you have a representative government that, that views its people and, and applies such unbelievably disparate treatment under the law and to do so with complete like confidence that no one, no one's going to care. That's something that, that is chilling, to be honest. It's chilling to think that they just simply don't care. There's a, a level of confidence in this action or in, in these actions that is jaw dropping. And I'm not sure what that portends for the future, but it is definitely something that we all need to be aware of that they don't care. They'll do it in the open on video brazen is all can all get out. And that's it. That's all there is to it. Doesn't matter. 
Do not believe your eyes and ears. It's irrelevant. Amazing. Just absolutely amazing that this is where we're at. And I don't know, man. I don't know when people are going to say that they've had enough, but I have a feeling that it's pretty soon. And that also makes me nervous. Because <laughs> when people do say enough, finally, that can be... Uh, that can be life-ruining in its own right. Strap in, ladies and gents. We're only a week into 2024, and it is already bonkers. We've got some tunnels in New York City, uh, apparently built by uh, the Hasidic community there. Again, can't talk about this openly either. <laughs> I mean, we're a week into 2024. How are we going to survive this? Ugh. My God, at least I get to joke about it on Tower Gang, but my goodness. I mean, this, this is such such a unbelievable story. So the original reports, by the way, there's been like a, a dozen arrests. Uh, they fought the police when they were trying to, to shut down these tunnels. And uh, there, there was original reports saying that they had built them during the, the COVID regime. And if that's the case, God bless. You know, it, like if it was just done to to worship when you were being forbidden from doing so, you know, you you guys know me. I totally support that. Uh, but there was mattresses in there, too. And who knows? <laughs> like, who, who knows what the actual purpose was for for this uh, this tunnel network? Um, it was big enough for, you know, multiple full grown men to to enter and walk through. And I don't know. I, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, this on top of the Nephilim stories in Miami, uh, tornadoes hitting in my backyard. <laughs> like, we're one week, one week into 2024. I don't know how I'm going to survive this year. This is so concerning. All right. That's it. That's the, uh, the end of that story. But I, I just, wow. 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 Strap in. <laughs> I am off to Iowa, Iowa with Luke Radowski. And uh, the Timcast team, Josie, a bunch of people will be out there. I think Alex Stein, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, we're going to be hanging out with Vivek for five days. Apparently, it is negative temperatures, which I am totally unprepared to deal with. Completely unprepared. Like, I don't know if I'll survive this trip. So uh, that's nerve-wracking. There, But there's simultaneously tornadoes hitting in Florida, so maybe it's best I get out of here. I don't know. I don't know world the world is uh disjointed to put it mildly um but yeah we're gonna have vake on our show uh the best political show.com if you guys want to check that out it's also the all one word we are change on rumble uh where we do three nightly shows live per week i'm about to go record with fresh from fresh and fit and uh yeah yesterday we had leah halpern we had tom woods on on sunday doing lots of great stuff so I apologize that I haven't been able to do as many episodes of Liberty Lockdown as I normally do, but I am just swamped. So I'm doing my best. I'll keep it up. If you guys still love the show, please do share it around, hit the like button, subscribe, leave a comment, do all the things to, to help Algo boost this. Um, I appreciate you guys. See you soon. Peace. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?